Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver. And with me today, I'm excited to have Julian Gordon. Welcome, Julian. What's going on, Jim? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Uh, Julian is a friend and a client and is truly inspirational. And I really think, especially with all the things going on in our country today, like I just uh, am so impressed and commend Julian for what he's doing and the way that his mindset is about success. And I don't want to tell your story, Julian, but I want you to tell a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about where you're at, what you're doing where you came from, that kind of stuff. Yeah, real quick, uh, originally from Oakland, California, son of two doctors. Um, so I grew up uh, middle class, but uh, once reading Rich Dad, after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, in college, I realized that middle class was actually not the place to end up. <laughs> and so uh, I started to recognize that there was another class that I've labeled the asset class. And the asset class are people who live off of their assets, not off of their active income or busting their ass. <laughs> so, um, uh, so once I came to that understanding in my mind, then I made freedom and acquiring assets my goal as opposed to just going after the highest paying job. And uh, that has changed my life uh, ever since I made that decision. That's awesome. Okay, I have one very important question about you growing up in Oakland. Okay, yes, now this is this could make this interview very quick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, are you a Raider fan? Uh, I'm not a Raiders fan. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not I'm a disappointed. I'm, I'm, I don't, uh, I don't really have any teams. So, okay. okay. Uh, and you All know, right. uh, you know, some people they'll grow up somewhere and then uh, 20 years later, their team will win the championship, but they never went to any games when they were young, but now yeah. they want to rep their city. That uh, That's, that's not me. So I, I'm not even a Warriors fan, even though they were at their peak over the past five years. So I don't right. just jump on the bandwagons. <laughs> All right. I, okay. All right. I, as long as you're not a 49ers fan, we're going to be okay. I'm just kidding. I, you know, or a Chiefs fan. No, I love my Chiefs fans. My wife has actually decided she's a Chiefs fan because she loves Patrick Mahomes. So, mm -hmm. you know, she she's she's unlike the the fan you were talking about is she likes a player. So then she becomes a fan. Right, right, that, right, 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 right. So, it's, yep. you know, and, and here I'm saying you can't like the Chiefs if I'm a lifelong Raider fan. I mean, that just doesn't work. But you know, she was a Bronco fan before that. So we're, I'm not making any progress in that argument, Julian. <laughs> so I love that. Okay. Grew up in Oakland, um, uh, child of two doctors. What kind of docs are your parents? Uh, was an anesthesiologist and an oral surgeon. Um, wow. I saw one of them actually uh, deal with some mental health issues and actually lose their license. And so that's when I quickly realized that high income alone was not just a safe bet, because if something happens to you physically or mentally, then all of that disappears quickly. And so uh, whereas if you had acquired assets uh, or during that period of high income, you would still be OK, despite changes in your mental and physical uh, experience of life. Now, that's great, man. That's well said. Um, and. You know, you you learned that at a really early age and, it, you know, uh, and I commend your parents for giving you that flexibility. I, I have a lot of friends that are docs and, you know, they 
some of them are a little bit more rigid in, hey, you should become a doctor. And, and, and but, you know, that world of medicine is definitely changing. But you said it is even if you're a doctor, you might be at the top of the herd. Right. But you're mm -hmm. still in the herd. Yeah. One hundred percent. I mean, you're not you know, free. One hundred percent. You already know the definition of uh, freedom is actually when your passive income is greater than your cost of living. And even if you're a high paid professional, but it's all active income, unless you're like an athlete and you're literally just getting like a million dollars for every quarter of the game. Right. right. Um, unless you're a high paid athlete. Uh, you are you aren't free because the moment you stop showing up and stop trading time for money, your income stops. And so, uh, yeah, when I realized that there was actually a faster path to freedom, in fact, you don't even have to be a millionaire financially to get to freedom. So let's just say your cost of living is four thousand dollars per month. Literally, if you can acquire several multifamily homes and probably get up to maybe 10 doors that are cash flowing at four hundred dollars per month, you are free, though you may not have a million dollars in your account because your passive income has surpassed your uh, cost of living. And you're, you're exactly right. You know, what's really cool about, I love working with young people that get this because, you know, um, I'm 55 when I, when I was in school and I grew up in, in Los Angeles in the inner city and I, nobody taught me about money and, and I didn't really understand how money worked. So I went in that, that typical career path of learning about money which I, everything I learned was a lie, right? Mm -hmm. It was put your money in Wall Street, all these different things, right? And then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, 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 I, and I met Nelson Nash and it changed my life. And mm -hmm. so um, I think the thing that's interesting though is we're never taught that our, our goal is to have freedom. We're taught to, to trade our time for money and make mm -hmm. that a really high rate, Yes. right? Like yeah. you wanna be really well paid. Yes. Right. But what we really want. And, and so you could you could live your life 40, 30, 20 years and and then hopefully retire. Right. Which, um, yeah. you know, we on this show and as you know, and I'm sure you um, um, are, are this way as well Is I don't want to ever retire. Right. You know, I mean, to retire means to be taken out of service and service to other people is what life's all about. I mean, that's where everything every reward that you get comes from when when you're when you're buying assets and you have multifamily real estate you're providing homes for people yeah right mm -hmm. and those and those memories and all of those great things but you could do it my point is is that what you just said i've seen people do in less than a year i mean and maybe in a few months yes yes versus forever in their lifetime and taking forever and maybe still not getting there yeah right we call that earned income. You know, when you uh, you die and get cremated, they put you in an urn. Yeah. Um, so earned income is any uh, money that you have to work to death for. And that's what a lot of people do. They work to death for money. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you have a great book that I just, that I got right here that I just got, right? Okay. Yes, Rich and Righteous, right? Yes. Which I love that spiritual secrets to mastering money manifest manifestation and your mind, right? Yeah. Now, I think the first step might be that last one. You got to yeah, manage oh, your mind, right? Oh, 100%. That is the fertile soil. So 
my work in this world is I got heavenly work and I have uh, I have earthly work. And my heavenly work is teaching financial spirituality through rich and righteous and the teachings that are in there. Um, and then my earthly work, the tangible and the material um, is real estate. And I teach people how to acquire multifamily real estate. And so I really believe that I'm here to bring heaven on earth and heaven is our mental experience of life and earth is our material experience of life. And the goal of, of, for everyone is to have your what you see in your mind actually align with what you're actually experiencing in your physical reality. And so um, that's how I think about my work. It's twofold. And, you know, I went really hard on the real estate first and I built a huge following and I've helped uh, hundreds of people acquire multifamily real estate. But I felt like I had to demonstrate physically first and then bring the spiritual principles in that were back of everything. And so for me, you know, um, I own my mental real estate before I own any physical real estate. As you said, it's your mind. And so, but in order to attract people, um, I led with the physical because that's what people like to see. They, they have to see it to believe it. But when you really understand how manifestation in the mind works, you actually have to believe it in order to see it. And so, for instance, in the dating world, if you, uh, if, um, you believe that all men are dogs, right, then you could go out and the perfect person could walk in front of you, but you wouldn't see them because your mind says that they don't exist. Or if you think that all women are witches, then you could go out, the perfect partner could walk in front of you and you wouldn't see her because you, your mind says that she doesn't exist. And so I believe that you have to believe it up here in order to see it first. And so even in this midst of uh, this real estate economy where people are like, the prices are high, there's no more deals, et cetera, I still find deals every day because I believe that there are deals to be found every day. Right. I don't know. And my experience does not have you. That could be your experience. That could be the national experience. Oh yeah. Home, home prices are through the roof, this and that, that can be the national experience, but that does not have to be my individual experience. And so, um, and I believe that our mindset is what shapes our individual experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I have a 12 year old and I talk to her like all the time about having a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset from that book mindset by the, uh, I can't think of her name, but the Stanford uh, professor. And we, you know, your mindset is, is it, it can get attacked by noise, right? The noise you just mentioned. Yeah. The market's too high. There's nobody, want, I mean, okay, but like, like I'm in Florida and, and, and I know that it's, there's just, it's people are paying dumb money for real estate, but that yeah. doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities. Right. Okay. And, and there are opportunities, meaning that through this COVID chaos, people have decided, I don't want to run a business anymore. I don't want to run uh, my real estate business or anything. In fact, we just had a, um, a client, in the last couple of weeks, uh, acquired $20 million worth of real estate. Wow. And he'd been working on for nine months, right? Now it didn't happen overnight. It just happened to these two things closed up. Yeah. Well, okay, so, you know, there's $20 million of real estate. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, so anybody that says you can't do it, you're always gonna hear that. It's gonna be a bad real estate market. It's gonna be a low real estate market. It's gonna be a high real estate market. There, the financing isn't right. Interest rates are too high. And you know, you're always gonna hear that noise. Yeah. And you know what I what I love is you say somewhere in the book, and now I can't think of exactly the way you said it, but you said something about just um, kind of faith 
you were talking about like how faith gets you through that. And maybe it was at the end and the conclusion. Um, but it's, it's faith makes the difference. Like if oh, you have faith, does. then you know that God can do anything. So, you know, if I have faith and I trust God to direct my path, yeah. then it doesn't matter if it's a high real estate market, low real estate, low yeah. interest rates, high interest rates. Yeah. So I, you know, I quit my job at the bottom of the last recession. And this is part of the reason I wrote the book. I quit my job January 9th, 2009. If you go look at the S&P 500, it is literally like the lowest point the S&P 500 has been in over 100 years. Um, and I quit my job at that time because I was being pulled by my purpose, right? And my belief, again, what my mind believes, right? Uh, scripture says, it is done unto you as you believe. And my belief is that if my creator created me for a purpose, right? then why would it put all kinds of obstacles in my way to stop me from actually living out that purpose? That just doesn't make sense to me. So right. I trusted that if I walked in my purpose, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. So for me, I sought my purpose and I knew that because that was why I was created, that everything that I needed would be supplied to me along that journey. And that is exactly what has occurred. And I've experienced more abundance and wealth by walking in my purpose than I would have had I stayed at a traditional job um, that I left 2009. You know, I love how you said that too, because, you know, if you don't have faith and you're doing it alone and you're relying on your skills and your knowledge, but having faith in, in allowing, you know, the, the way that uh, I heard it described is kind of like a, it's like you're putting the, down puzzle pieces, but you don't have a picture of the puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. you, you really don't want to put that piece in if you don't have faith that the picture is going to be awesome, right? That right. the picture is going to be great. So right. what you do is you just don't play the game. You just are stagnant. But when you have faith you and you know you can't, you can't lose... Yeah. right you can't fail you know you might have setbacks but you know I, we um uh, we we uh we say you know we so, we sometimes fail but we never lose right is yeah. is we have setbacks but but it's the setback then propels us to the to the goal and you know there's a there's a process of seeing things and is it and it's from Dan Sullivan the strategic coach as he says you you have vision opposition, transformation, action, yes. Boda, right? And first you got to visualize what you want, right? Yes. Which is, is what you did and what uh, so many people have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they just go, they don't get it or it doesn't move them. Yes. When, when you can read something and it moves you, right? Yes. So yes. I love in the book that you start really almost everything, every, every uh, commandment, and uh and in um uh chapter with a bible verse you know mm -hmm. and 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 i love that you know nelson used to do that too and mm -hmm. he would always when you asked him a question he he would always give you a bible verse and then he would never just give you the answer right he <laughs> wanted you to think about the answer yes so, yes so money, uh, you know, the reason I've tried to connect these two things is because uh, money and spirituality have been disconnected for a long, long time. And for me, money is an inert spiritual substance. Money is just stored energy. So money is an inert spiritual substance that is neither good nor bad. What gives money its positive or negative charge is the person who's holding it. It's the charge of the person who's holding it and how they decide to use it in the world. And so what I mean by money is stored energy 
is let's say you had a cow and I had 100 apples, right? And you wanted 50 apples and I didn't want a cow because I'm vegetarian. So in that moment, I give you 50 apples and you give me a piece of paper, an IOU that says I owe you the equivalent of half of a cow, right? And so now that piece of paper is holding the energy that I put into producing those 50 apples, right? The, the tilling that I did, the cultivating, the people I hired, the water, the resources, the time I put into making those apples, it's stored in this piece of paper now. So my energy and the value that I created in the past is stored in this piece of paper. Now, this piece of paper deflates, of course, due to, due to inflation, if I just hold on to it and I don't put it into use. Money is meant to be circulated. It is not meant to be held. And what you see is that a lot of people... Um, what they think is financial security by hoarding and holding on to money is actually a demonstration of their financial insecurity. Because right now, especially with uh, interest rates in a savings account being 0.03%, right? Basically, if you're holding any money in a savings account, you're literally saying that I don't have the creative capacity in my mind to make this money yield more than 0.03%. Right. That, that means that, yeah, that means that you don't feel like you have the creative capacity to make that money return at 12%, right? And that's yep. bare minimum real estate, bare minimum real estate. And 12% is significant because if the rule is 72, 72 divided by 12 means that your money doubles every six years. But at 0.03% in a savings account, 72 divided by 0.03 means that your money doubles every 2,400 years. <laughs> right 2400 years that's the insecurity of a savings account and then on top of this we're going to experience hyperinflation with all the money that was printed so uh you actually losing money with it sitting in a savings account because money is meant to be used if you think about it like water it is meant to flow it is meant to circulate it is not just meant to be held um, and get stale and so um we are i don't spend money i use money and i circulate money and to circulate means to return back to point of origin so when i invest in something I invest strategically and educated and, and make educated investments. And when I do so, it continues to circulate back to me and through me. The, the reason my creator continues to pour into me because it knows that the buck does not stop here. So why would your creator continue to give you stored energy that you are only going to hoard? Right. Then it's not being used. Why well, the Bible that says that, 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 he, that God won't if you hoard it. If you hoard your wealth, God won't keep blessing you, right? That's exactly, that's exactly how it works. And if you look at the parable of the talents, there was one who got four talents, the other that got two, and the other one that got one. The person who got four, double, uh, five, excuse me, doubled it to 10. The person yeah. that got two doubled it to four. The person that got one in their scarcity mindset actually buried it, yeah. buried it. And he got scorned because he buried it and didn't put it into use, didn't expand it, didn't multiply it. We were supposed to be fruitful and multiply Right. So um, when you understand what uh, money is and what it wants, um, it changes the way you actually use it. For instance, um, everybody knows that they want more money, but very few people have ever asked the question, what does money want? Um, what do you mean? What does money want? What does money want? If you had a better understanding of what money was and what it wanted, do you think you would have an easier time attracting it into your life? If Absolutely. you were dating and you knew what that person, who that person was and what they wanted, do you think you would have a better chance of attracting them into your life? Yes. So it's really important to get clear on what money wants. Money wants to circulate. Money wants to be of value. Money wants to be used. Money wants to travel all around the world. Money wants to meet different people, right? Money wants to uh, be um, transmuted from a piece of paper into something manifest and so, some sort of idea. Uh, so money does not want to sit in your savings account. It does not. 
That is lazy money. And so we call money dead presidents, but our responsibility as stewards of this money is to give resurrect dead presidents. And we are supposed to actually give cash consciousness because it is dead sitting in your savings account. We give it consciousness by putting it into circulation and we circulate it towards ideas, ideals, investments, and institutions that we believe in. And when we do that, what I found is that it continues to circulate in my, in my life because I am circulating it. You know, I love what you said there because motion is a law of God. If mm -hmm. air doesn't flow in and out of our bodies, we die. If blood doesn't flow through our bodies, we die. If water doesn't flow, like you said, it becomes stagnant, it dies. Mm -hmm. Money is the same way. And in the parable of the talents, which some people get confused because they think it's like talents, but ta a talent really was like a year, you know, it was like a lot of money. So in today's world, it might be like $180,000 or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to get four of those $180,000 chunks is a lot. And to yeah. double it is, is a lot. But yeah. the servant that trusted the master and knew what the master wanted to have happen with the money multiplied it by putting it in motion like you said right. and you know if you remember what the master says at the end he says you wicked and evil servant the least you could have done is give it to the banks to earn interest the least okay. that you the could least. have done yeah, right and people take that wrong right because you know there's other scripture that says do not give your pearls to swine right right now what are your pearls your pearls are your money right and what do they tell you to put your money when you were a child they tell you to put it in what savings yeah a piggy bank yeah and what is yeah. a pig? Pig is swine. So literally it's telling you do not give your money to swine. Yeah. That is what people by default do. And then the bank goes and multiplies your money by 1000. And I'll right. show you how. If they give you 0.03% interest in a Bank of America savings account, and then they charge you 3% for a mortgage, that's 100x right there. But then we also know through the fractional reserve banking system that they only have to keep 10% on hand. So they're able to multiply that by another 10 and they've actually multiplied what you deposited by 1,000. Yeah, you know, Julian, in 2016, um, Bank of America, that I think you just mentioned, is uh, their, their Bauer financial report said that they paid their, um, on their interest-bearing deposits, 0.2%, a little higher than it is today, right? Okay. But they averaged 5.2% um, on their loans. Okay, so what you do is the way a business works for the audience that doesn't understand this, Julian, I know you get this, is it's your cost of doing business divided into your profit. So 0.2% goes into 5.2, 26 times. So that's a 2,600% profit margin before fractional reserve banking, <laughs> right? Now, right? Now, think about that. 2600%. Okay, now what is the bank? But then what the bank knows is what you just said. Okay, the bank creates velocity of money because they loan money out to you, they loan money out to me, let's say for a mortgage. Yeah, what do they do with the money that you pay them every month? They loan it out again, correct? And again, and again, yeah. and the faster that your money moves, that's called velocity of correct. money, not scientific velocity because we will have some engineers out there that'll say that's not the definition of velocity no this yeah. is an economic term the faster that our money moves the faster that we have and there's only one pool of money in the world all you got to do is get it to flow to you instead of somebody else mm. and it's an expanding pool this abundance mindset will let you know that it's expanding pool universe and energy um 
they say energy is never created or destroyed, but it does shift and it, it takes new shape, right? Yeah. Um, and, and there's untapped energy that we have not tapped into. So there are million dollar ideas in people's minds, despite the fact, let's say the money supply, because there's the actual physical money supply, and then there's the actual value that is out in the world. And those two things are, are different, right? The, the physical money supply is finite. We can actually go put a number on that. But the, the abundance and the wealth that exists in the world is actually infinite. Because you and I, we could powwow right now and come up with a multi-billion dollar idea right now. And that wealth starts to take shape, right? Through our conversation, whenever two or more are gathered, um, we know that amazing things happen. So you are 100% right. I've been using, in terms of uh, the velocity of money, I've come up with another term called our personal internal rate of return. And that is how quickly we are growing and expanding money in our lives. So I'll take Elon Musk, for example. Um, uh, when he exited PayPal at 180 million, um, he's grown, he grew that to 194 billion over about 20 years. If you look at the internal rate of return on that, he's basically grown his wealth by 44.44% over the each year for the past 20 years. And so if people go look at what their net worth was last year and they compare it 12 months ago and they compare it to today, that will give you your personal internal rate of return. And to be honest, if you start with $10,000 right now, you simply grew that by 12% every year for 60 years, you would have $10 million. Yeah. A lot of people are chasing these get rich quick schemes. Uh, I hope you, I hope people are winning in crypto, but every time somebody wins in crypto, somebody is losing. So um, I just know that the slow and steady wins the race. And so all my real estate investments, they have to yield at least 12% cash on cash return. And of course we know that the cash on cash return is only one of the four benefits of real estate. I still get principal pay down. I still get all the tax savings and I still get appreciation. So the cash on cash return typically only accounts for about 50% of the actual return. So if I'm getting a 12% cash on cash return, when you add in the other financial variables that do occur and accrue through real estate, I'm actually getting a 24% cash on cash return, similar to uh, what you mentioned about the bank. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny about that is, um, uh, Logan Rankin was one of the guys that we had on. We talked about cash on cash and we kind of settled in at that 25%. Now he, I think he said when he figured it all out, he's a little bit higher than that, but you know, sometimes I show people using infinite banking, 25% cash on cash. And they say, well, that's too high. And then I say, well, you need to go back and think about you. Just like you said, you have, you have a rate of return on your appreciation. You have a, what I call a rate of cash flow on the cash flow. Then you have tax benefits that if I'm saving money, that I'm making money, that's a return. Correct. Right. We'll pay down. So then I have all of this that goes together. And then I have protection against inflation, right? Because I have control. So yeah. I have a control rate of return, which mm -hmm. by having that, I can't be um, just destroyed by factors in the market that I don't control, right? Correct. And, you know, I think it's so important that, you know, um, you know, Julian, we probably could go on and on and on talking about this, but, but why do you think we're not taught this? Or is it that we are taught this if we just grab our Bible or, but, but yeah. we're taught, you know, like, you know, uh, and I, I'm, I'm meeting with somebody later today. We're talking about writing, writing a book and I'm talking about how we are financial slaves and, yeah. 
and people, and then that's a, that's a tough word. Right. Um, but, but you know, the truth is the truth and we're taught, we're not taught about financial freedom. We are yeah. taught about financial slavery. 100%. I mean, if you look at the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar is 75% cotton. So a lot of people think that slavery is over, but they're still picking cotton every single day. They go yeah. out and earn bales of cotton and then they get rations from their master every two weeks. So uh, we're still, it's called modern day slavery. And modern day slavery is mental and it is monetary. Okay. You might not see shackles. You might not see people chained up, but we hear about the golden handcuffs all the time. So there's the overpaid trap and there's the underpaid trap, right? So you got to escape both of those. Um, so the, the reason I think Nelson refers to scripture in the way and the reason I went to scripture uh, when trying to educate about money is because I think there's some uh, religious beliefs that people have that make them repel money. So we hear scriptures like uh, money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. But then, of course, here in this very Christian country, people look to Jesus as this sacrificial being that was um, in, in poverty. But Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Right. And so uh, a lot of people have this uh, paradigm in their mind that um, uh, being rich is evil. Being rich is evil, right? A uh, rich man can't make it through the eye of the needle. It's easier for a man to get into heaven. Uh, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into heaven. But if you remember Joseph of Arimathea, right, which is one of Jesus' disciples who supposedly um, requested his tomb and, and, and owned the land that the tomb was on, he was labeled as a rich disciple. So it is possible to walk this very fine line. I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a very fine line where you are serving God and not money because uh, it's very easy to make money your God. This is why they put in God we trust on money. But if you believe that being rich is evil, then the duality of that is that you believe that being poor is good. Right. And that's people's moral code will override anything else. And so subconsciously, their moral code to be good, right, and to be on their way to heaven, et cetera, will override anything else. And this is why people are comfortable subconsciously staying in poverty because they believe that it is noble, that is good, that it is sacrificial. But I know that as a giver, I must receive in order to give more. I cannot just give of an empty cup. My cup is supposed to run it over. And the better receiver I become, right, the more I'm able to give. And so it's really important for people to develop um, not only their business model, which is how you receive from the value created, but you also have to have your blessing model. A lot of people have their blessing model. They know how they give, but they have difficulty receiving. And therefore, it actually cuts off their giving because they don't, they're not receiving enough to be able to continue that cycle of giving. And so um, I believe it's really the subconscious beliefs and programming in part coming from religion and who we uh, put up as our sacrificial leaders. Uh, MLK, Harriet Tubman ha uh, had to sell her home. Um, MLK, you know, Ma Malcolm X home taken from him, et cetera. It's like all of these leaders that we lift up, we uh, position them as, you know, they were poor. And so this is this is what makes them noble. And therefore, that's how I want to be. But I believe that I can do more good uh, with more stored energy at my fingertips to use. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%, man. And I love that. You, I love the way that you said that. I love that you said it with a lot of passion. Because um, <clears throat> I, I, I agree when you, uh, you know, if you compared, uh, you know, probably maybe not a great example, but Bill Gates versus Mother Teresa, who's done more who's impacted more people's lives or saved more lives. 
I mean, you know, you got to say it's Bill Gates because of what he created, right? Yeah. Now, did he do it for a, as you put in here, a righteous reason? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know about that. We but, don't know. But, but God uses everybody, right? And he impacted more people and, you know, the software and computers for people, you know, all of this stuff. So the impact, our impact is, is not like you said, you know, a great book is Thou Shall Prosper by Daniel, uh, Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And he takes this and he says, you know, the, the Jewish culture and what Jews are taught about owning your business, right? And, 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 and being honest in business and being, you know, um, all, you know, all of those things is that's, that's why as a percentage, Jewish people own a lot more businesses than people that weren't taught that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, what were you taught? Yeah. Right. And, and like you said, if you're taught that being poor is, is, is righteous. Well, then the, I believe that you've been taught the wrong thing. Yeah. And especially as a community, right. If you were taught this as a community and you were taught this as this is your mindset, yeah. it's really, really hard to break out of that. I mean, really hard to break out of that. It is. And, you know, uh, the people who have negative intentions in the world, they don't fear the people who have righteous intentions because the right people with righteous intentions have negative cash flow. Right. Yeah. They don't, they don't fear it because you have the, the number one energy you have is the energy that's in your body. If you don't have any energy in your body, then the money doesn't matter. But the second form of energy, uh, actually, there are several forms of energy. There is money. And that is stored energy that can be passed down from generations, the effort and the value that other people have created that now is in your power that you can use as a steward of it and you can channel it in the right directions. So you have your personal capital, you have your uh, intellectual capital, which is what you know, you have your physical capital, which is the resources that you have, you have financial capital, uh, you have social capital, and then you have human capital, which is your team members who are supporting you in manifesting these visions. All of those are forms of energy and capital that you can use to create the life uh, you desire and the impact that you desire. Now, the problem for most people is that their vision, especially this whole notion from the secret and the vision boards and things of that nature, their vision board typically only accounts for them. And so in reality, most vision boards are actually selfish. They only include you. And so what I like to challenge people to think about is uh, their give vision board. Who do you give vision to? You are helping give vision to people who had been stuck financially and who have come across money and you're giving them a new avenue and a way to become their own bank. You're giving somebody who thought that they had to rely on a bank the vision of actually becoming their own bank. That is right. the work that you do in the world. So what is your give vision board and who are you giving that vision to? We are all blind in different areas of, of our lives. I'm blind in the area of my uh, health right now. Um, I'm, I'm healthy, but I want to improve my eating and I want to improve my physical exercise regimen. And so I actually need somebody who has vision in that area to come lead me and guide me. So I'm just saying that as an example of we are all blind in different aspects of our lives and you are here to be the light and the guide for somebody else to help them in a specific area of their life. And, and I believe that uh, we all have a role and that's where all of our value is. Our most high income skill comes from the most high. But the only right. way to tap into that 
is to the way I tap into it, not the only way. I never want to say the only way. The way I tap into it is by taking time in my morning to meditate. And in the same way we plug in our phone to charge up, um, I meditate to plug into my spiritual source, my creator, to get those divine downloads of what I should be doing and how I should be showing up today. And so we have to be in that constant dialogue with our mother, father, God, whatever you call it, however you define it, you have to be in that constant connection um, to stay in alignment. I used to be in the paradigm of hustling and working harder, right? Uh, but once I broke free from that, I got in the paradigm of alignment and alignment uh, has brought me more joy and more ease and even more abundance in my life. I love that. You know, um, so you talked about something, you talked about being a guide and helping people. And, you know, I truly believe that, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what we do, like, in, in, our specialty when we talk to people is showing them how to be their own bank, why that's important. And we cover a lot of these subjects as we go through that, but we always want them to understand that it's not like Wall Street where it's like, hey, give me your money because I'm so smart and I know so much more about money than you. And you know, you don't need to understand any of this. I'll take care of it, right? And, and the way that you work with people, the way that we work with people is they're the hero of the story. Yes. Right. When they yes. go out and they become financially free and, and it's not, hey, look what Julian did for me. It's how Julian helped me see that I could do this for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is what God has done for Julian. Right. Is remember, everybody has a mentor. A leader has to follow to become a leader. Right. And, yes. and even you think one of the greatest leaders of all time, Moses, Moses had a mentor. That was God. Right. Mm -hmm. God gave him the, the, he gave him the path. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, how do you work with people? Like, obviously people can get the book on Amazon. Is that right? Uh, no, it's at moneyandmanifestation.com. If you go to amazon.com, you will overpay. Okay. Um, so there's a little special at moneyandmanifestation.com. Um, in fact, I give people five copies of the book because they're supposed to spread it. If you go to Amazon, you'll only get one. Um, you are supposed to uh, share this. And, and, and the reason I give you five is so that you can immediately put yourself in a space of giving. Immediately start channeling that energy so that you can actually activate your process of receiving. So you're supposed to spread the wealth by giving away the other books and starting a money and manifestation mastermind group. So that's at moneyandmanifestation.com, moneyandmanifestation.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Julian Gordon, J U L L I E N Gordon, G O R D O N. That's J U L L I E N Gordon, G O R D O N. Um, that's where I post the most content is on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. And so people, uh, I love this, uh, mastermind. Did you say mastermind group or would you? Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Because, you know, um, I know that if I sat down with you for, you know, 30, 40 minutes today and you're in like, let's say that we said, Hey, we want to, we want to, if, if you and I just started drawing out how we're going to give away a million dollars by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We would come up with a plan in less than an hour and I would have an idea. You would improve on my idea. Then I might improve on your idea. And that creative energy yep. just makes it bigger. Right. Yep. And as long as we have the same goal as giving and not taking then, or what's in it for us yeah. in an hour, we could figure out how we were going to do that. So that's what I love about masterminds because mm -hmm. then you don't only have two people, right? 
you have a group of people that have a similar and, and, and what you find in, in mastermind groups is when the goal is to help other people, yeah, it'll, it'll be super effective. If it's, Hey, how do I make $10 million a year? It's not, you know, I mean, like that, that's not the energy that flows, you know? Yeah, 100%. And one of the most powerful masterminds in the world is Alcoholics Anonymous. And I experienced a significant other go through that program. And, you know, the research shows that when people just go to treatment alone, they have a 26% chance of staying uh, sober. When they go to treatment and AA and have the community mastermind element, they have a 51% chance of staying sober. So it literally the community aspect of it literally doubles your success rate. Now, of course, AA requires that you start in this negative place. You have to be an alcoholic or identify as an alcoholic, but mastermind groups are the space um, where you can rally around something positive, not just be uh, initiated by something, a negative experience in life. Absolutely. All right, sweet. Well, um, I'm going to wrap up, even though I, I've got a lot of other questions and a lot of other things, <laughs> and maybe we'll have to have you back on later in the year or something, because- I've got a lot of things that I want to ask you. And, and as I get a chance to read the book completely there, yeah. I'm sure I'm going to have other things that I'd like to discuss. So maybe we can just plan on getting together again in the fall. Yeah. Um, but Julian, I want, um, I like to ask people if, if, if God came down from heaven and took a, and said, I'm only going to allow you to retain the knowledge in one book that you've read, not outside yeah. the Bible, right? Because God's never going to tell us that he's going to take that away from us. But but not that he would ever do this, okay? But that you could only retain the knowledge of one book. What would it be? Uh, so, man, uh, it's probably going to be Green Eggs and Ham. Green Eggs and Ham, why? Yeah, it's the greatest sales book of all time. Um, uh, and I was reading it to my daughter one time. And as I was learning how to be a more effective marketer and things of that nature, you see that Sam I Am actually makes about 26 offers in that book. Um, to the character, right? The character does not know initially whether they like green eggs or ham, but they reject it, right? And Sam knows that the character doesn't know because they haven't tried green eggs and ham. So Sam says, do you want it on a plane? Do you want it on a train? Do you want it with a, uh, a here? Do you want it there? You want it with this? You want it with that? And so Sam continues to make offers until eventually the character says, okay, I'll try. And once the character tried, he realized that he actually loved green eggs and ham, right? And so Dr. Seuss, I believe, got rejected um, about 26 times before uh, he was published. And that's kind of what he wove into the narrative of Green Eggs and Ham. And when I think about sales, sales is not some sleazy activity to me. Sales, uh, I've defined sales as simply the process of getting someone to accept help. The sales is the process of getting someone to accept help. And when you have something that you know really helps people, that gives people vision, like I said about that give vision board, then you actually have a moral obligation to sell whatever it is that you have because you're going to help them get to their desired destination faster, safer, and easier. For you, it's helping them get to financial freedom. For me, it's helping them get to financial freedom. You do it through infinite banking. I do it through multifamily real estate and financial spirituality. But you and I, the reason we're so aligned is because we have the same ultimate destination for the people that are there. And therefore, we have to get on those sales calls. We have to do those webinars. We have to do those trainings. We have to write those books because we know that when they come, come to us and through us, 
that they will get to where they're trying to go faster, safer, and easier. If we let them leave our site, then we know that they're going to take longer. They're going to make more mistakes, costly mistakes in terms of time and money. And we don't want that for them. And they don't want it for themselves, but they don't know it until we guide them through the sales process, which is simply the process of getting someone to finally accept help and get out of the DIY mindset of I have to do this by myself. Absolutely. And you know what? I love what you said about green eggs and ham. And I, I, I had a paradigm shift there because I'd never kind of uh, equated it to that. But I'll, I'll uh, share with you real quick. One of my favorite quotes is, um, it is from Calvin Coolidge. And he says, nothing in the world can take the place of persistence. Mm -hmm. Talent will not, nothing in, is more common than unsuccessful men with talent. You got to remember when he wrote this. Genius mm -hmm. will not. Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Mm -hmm. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. The slogan press on has solved and always will solve the problems of the human race. And, and that's green eggs and ham in a nutshell. Right, right there. It's, right there. Yeah. Right there. The average salesperson that, you know, I hear these commercials doesn't ask for the business once. But the sales made on average after seven offers. Yep. Right. Now you just said over 20 offers for Sam I am. Mm -hmm. He was never, he was never uh frustrated in the book. He was nope. never um so when you have the right message, right? Then be persistent, be uh uh and be faithful. Any any famous last words, Julian? Um, any famous last words? No famous last words, except that uh, I am are two of the most powerful words in the English language and whatever you say after I am shall be added unto you. So be mindful of how you speak about yourself and your experience and always affirm the positive and almost turn a blind eye to anything that you do not want to experience, not in terms of ignoring it, but in terms of keeping your focus on that which you want. And I know that it will come to you faster, safer, uh, fat, faster than you could have imagined. Awesome. Julian, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really, really enjoyed it and appreciate your time and your friendship. And, and I look forward to uh, just getting to know you better and growing and helping, uh, helping you help more and more people. So until thank next you. time, breakaway wealth, you stay out of the herd because nothing good happens in the herd. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.